namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Aparuta de Sangamatasatawara Esodavantaba Muntantusata. So this evening, a full moon night. Today was a very busy day. Smiling constantly. Signing my name, saying goodbye, all the rest. I've been doing that for the past month now. And then the day after tomorrow. But these are, you know, these are the perceptions that are bringing attention to the here and now, <clears throat> the way it is, the, the body sitting like this, the breath. Sound of silence. <clears throat> so that's that's what you do. You just keep bringing the the attention back to the here and now, and you know develop that really, like the uh, upasampada this morning. Strive on with diligence. This is, you know, at the end of the Anusasana, the uh, admonition. <clears throat> so you, it just means this, you know, no matter what you're feeling, uh, you know, or thinking, or, uh, you know, how healthy or unhealthy you're feeling at the present time. And then they, you know, we give so much importance, we keep complicating these conditions out of ignorance and attachment. The only way to break that habit is to keep reminding yourself. Pachubhanatama here and now, sitting, standing, walking, lying down, whatever posture you're you're in at the present moment, the breath, sound of silence. And be aware of the mood, you know, just uh, emotion. We're not trying to bypass our feelings or suppress them or ignore them, but <coughs> be the observer of them. So, like the, right now the mood, emotional mood is like this. So just by a, a continuous, relentless determination to to develop this, then of course, you know, then you begin to realize, have profound insight in the and confidence in the path. We talk about the path, the eightfold path, and that's of course samaditi, samasangapo. Sama Vaja, Sama Gamando, Sama Chivo, Sama Vayamo, Sama Sati, Sama Sati. And so this eightfold, it's not eight steps, it's not a path, path with eight steps on it. So it's the eightfold, so it's not like you do this and then it leads on to that. It's not a linear, you know, from this place to the next. So it's all based on perfect understanding, samaditi. Now it's perfect understanding. I've mentioned this many times, the difference between right understanding and perfect understanding. This is just my way of speaking. But right always has, to me always seems like, you know, has, has its uh, 
opposite, wrong. And there's so many things wrong and right. But perfect is, what is perfection in terms of the reality of now? And so this, you know, I can't tell you what it is, but pointing. And so this, you know, this uh, investigation of Dhamma, really observing, being the observer, the buto, the knower, of the way it is, it's like this. <clears throat> and then also, you know, it's very, you know, to think, because this is all, all we know is that we're, you know, we're very much uh, experiencing consciousness through our human body. So we, we have to live with these human forms till they die. And they're, you know, they're limitations in form and, and, and it's all about sensitivity, feeling, pleasure, pain, heat, cold, happiness, misery, all the rest. This realm, this death realm, this is a death realm that we're experiencing because birth is the cause of death. So, then this, uh, these are obvious facts, isn't it? This is not just, you know, something some kind of new philosophy or old philosophy, but just pointing out to the way it is. If, uh, if one was never born, one would never die. And so death is always, uh, you know, associated with the death of the physical body. <clears throat> because, you know, it's obvious that the body was born and then it will die. And then our ownership of the body it's me, you know, I'm this physical form, and then, of course, all the rest results from identity with a dying form, with a changing, imperfect form. <clears throat> and that applies to everything, mental, emotional, refined, of course, any feeling. So you have the, the five khandhas, Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana is a way that the Buddha could, uh, you know, the five aggregates, five heaps, or five categories, or whatever words you want to call it, it simplifies everything to to put it put everything in in these five heaps or five aggregates. Then, then contemplating the five khandhas, you know, everybody gets confused about the, uh, you know, vinyana, uh, and, uh, because we think, you know, we, 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 our logic, our thinking mind assumes that because we chant rupanganichang, vedananichang, sanyanichang, sankaranichang, vinyananganichang. <clears throat> But then contemplate in terms of, you know, just at this moment, here and now. Now, don't, don't try to think of things, you know, on a, on a metaphysical plane or a high level, like a, a god or uh, a superior being. But you ha we have to learn from the humbling realities of our own limitations, the way we are, physically, mentally, and spiritually, and emotionally, and whatever. It's like this. So, you know, then, like I've reflected many times, the fact that, that the body, it, you know, it's, it was born, it's a natural form. It, I didn't, you know, some kind of personal ability to make myself born in this form. It's impossible. <clears throat> So the body is a is a natural form, just like the trees or the birds or the bees or whatever. You know, these are forms in nature. Nature, Dhamma, the way things are, 
the forms of uh, that that exist that we can actually see and and experience the animal kingdom, the fish and the birds and the insects, and the worms, mosquitoes, flies, and all the rest are conscious forms. Uh, and then we can share that. Uh, it's a common bond we share with with all creatures, isn't it? Conscious forms. There's a vijnana and rupa. And then in this realm, it's all about feeling. So it's about survival, you know, hunger, thirst, heat and cold, pleasure, pain. So this is a way of reflecting on the way things are. The, this realm, planet Earth, the solar system we're in, the sun and moon, the, the planets, it's all a mystery, isn't it? And how much can we really comprehend or really understand in its complexities? Because we, we're not God, you know, we can't know everything about everything. So in the Buddha's compassion, he, he, he simplifies everything for us. Five khanda is very easy. Five, one, two, three, four, five. I think everybody in this room can count to five. And if you can't, then you, you've got five fingers on each hand. <laughs> so. A billion conditions, that's too much for me. You know, you start trying to, you know, into, into numbers that are too complicated, but five, six ayatanas, that's good enough, that's easy enough, I can handle that. <clears throat> Twenty-two indrias is a bit of a challenge. <laughs> Took me a while so far to remember all the eight, the folds of the eightfold path. <laughs> Four noble truths is pretty easy. But everything that we experience, it can fit into these five aggregates. You know, everything, all things. And so that you remember that this this realm uh, that we're experiencing the, is about things. It's about conditions. About space and karanita. All conditions are impermanent. And that includes thinking and language and feeling. Everything, whether refined sensations or coarse ones, whatever. Not about quality or quantity. <clears throat> and it's very interesting to to contemplate consciousness then, because uh, we're all it's you know we have separate forms. So my form is sitting here, yours is over there. But consciousness, you know, vijnana kanda, that's. Uh, you know, we we tend to, to, you know, in the Western world, we tend to see it as our brain or inside us. But is it really? You know, in terms of consciousness, doesn't seem to have any limit to it. It's boundless. It's used as one of the immeasurables, isn't it? Space and consciousness. So then contemplate, you know, space, it's not a thing, is it? It's, you know, when you, when you just observe, visually observe space, it's not, it's not a thing, it doesn't have a form to it. <clears throat> and it seems boundless in terms of, you know, the, you have the walls of the temple put some limitation on space, but, but that's just, uh, you know, the impression that we can live with, that, the space is in the room rather than the room is in the space. So apply that to consciousness. Is consciousness just in your brain or in your head? Or is, 
your head in consciousness or all forms like flies, mosquitoes, birds, rats, cats and dogs, everything is trees, everything, conscious, experiencing conscious forms. And then we have Vedana, is this realm is a Vedana realm. <clears throat> you know, it's all about feeling. Pleasure, pain, neutral sensation. And then Sanya Sankara. Now these two khandas are the ones that that we tend to create out of ignorance. Like Vedana is just the like Vinyana. Vedana and Rupa are just the way it is, you know, we don't create them, they're not, they're, you know, they're not anything more than the condition that has its karma of birth to death. But then on the Sanya Sankara level, then we can, we, that's where we, we need to pay attention. Sanya perception, memory, thinking, isn't it? Thinking, you remember to think. You know, like like when you're getting mites, you for you, you, your ability to forget increases. They call senior moments. That's what euphemism <laughs> for dementia. <or laughs> But anyway, whatever, <laughs> it's uh, memory, you know, language is memory. <clears throat> and then then the, the sense of yourself, you know, the Sakaya Ditti, the, the personality view. It's all about memory, isn't it? You remember, I did this, I did that, I'm from this place. And then uh, Sankara. So that is, uh, you know, the compounded phenomena. We we create, we think, we add to things. <clears throat> so that the body becomes, this body becomes my. It's my body. That's uh, that's Sanya Sankara. When I start claiming this body, you know, this is my body. Then that is Sanya Sankara. So this is a way of investigating uh, using these five khandas as a as a form, as a way of simplification too, and to get some perspective on the reality of of here and now. So consciousness then is. It's, it's, you know, when the Buddha was enlightened, you know, in the scriptural teaching, he wasn't unconscious after enlightenment. But consciousness then was not, uh, you know, there was not the illusion of Sanya Sankara. There wasn't the grasping of the khandhas. There was a, you know, the cultural conditioning, the personality view, the language, the emotion, the thoughts were not, were not, uh, grasped out of ignorance and, and compounded and made into more than what they are. And so this way of reflecting, the conditions are what they are. You know, we're not trying to dismiss them or make them into anything, you know, to say they're right, wrong, good or bad, but whatever. You're feeling at this moment, you know, emotionally, whatever state of mind you're in at this moment is like this. I'm not saying, you know, judging it in terms of how good or bad, right or wrong it might be. <clears throat> well, that's consciousness, isn't it? Because consciousness is, is able to know. But it's using, it's, it's consciousness informed with wisdom rather than consciousness that is not informed with wisdom. So the whole personality is, is consciousness info, uh, that we, we, uh, fill with ignorance. 
this, these, these conditions of me and mine, I am this body, this person, my feelings, what I think is right, what I believe in, my opinion, my faults. This is sanya sankara out of ignorance. Then it, then it it becomes. Then consciousness is no longer uh, aligned with wisdom, but with avicca or ignorance. And so that is the cause of suffering. You know, we suffer because of that. <clears throat> Now, in terms of this feeling realm, it is a realm of suffering. I mean, it's, uh, it's a natural suffering because of birth and death, and like the sep- meeting and separation. So the, the perception uh, that some of you have about uh, me leaving on Tuesday, you know, so that is, right now, that's a perception, isn't it? A thought in the in in consciousness. Then there's the knowing of it as a thought in consciousness. It what it is what it is. So it's not saying you know that you shouldn't think it or that it's you know you should feel nothing you know. So say Agnes uh, uh, leaving on Tuesday forever. Maybe I'll never come back. Because I do have this teaching of goodbye forever. Don't I? Taught, I've said this many times. Why do we never say goodbye forever? Except me, I say it. Because it's too hurtful, isn't it? In any language, isn't it? Like, au revoir, let me see you soon, again, sai chen. We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know when. <laughs> because saying goodbye forever is, unless you really hate somebody. <laughs> goodbye forever, never come back here. But And so this is a way of, of contemplating, investigating Dhamma. The feeling is like this. So the, the sense of loss of separation is like this. Even before it happens. You know, so this, the, after the meal in the reception room, people gathered and uh, strong emotions, many people crying, things like this, because this is uh, a sad event. Separation from the loved is dukkha. So I mean this is, and, and even before it happens, just contemplating it. Because I'm still here. <laughs> but I did separate from you when I left the reception room. And I don't think that was terribly upsetting for you. Because I had to go. I'd been sitting there for several hours and nature was demanding that I pay attention to other physical demands. So we can understand that. But goodbye forever, that's pretty stark, isn't it? That's heavy. So what I'm doing is just contemplating, you know, how the language, the concepts we have of separation, of just using uh, this uh, separation that's coming up on Tuesday as a way of reflecting, of learning about the way things are. So this is, you know, to to integrate into your life, this is what you do. You know, you, the, you know, the events of your life, uh, you know, are, you know, what your path to you really observe, investigate them. It's like this in terms of 
the five khandas, the Pesankarani Chas, the Petama Anatta, these, these are ways of exploring reality in the present. And things that are highly personal, highly fraught with emotion. <clears throat> Strong feelings and, and that that one might have in the present. As well as subtle ones. As you get more confidence, then there are a lot of subtle feelings, you know, assumptions. Subtle assumptions that we, ha we operate with that we, we're not really aware of. Because unless we have, uh, you know, investigated Dhamma, then we tend to operate in a much coarser, much co more coarse kind of way. We just tend to, we aren't so aware of the subtleties of the changes that we're experiencing. Then this reflection on time, the future is the unknown, the past is a memory. That I found, you know, something that I kept reminding myself with through all these years. So the past, the event in the reception room after the meal, that's right now, what is that? Sitting here on this high seat, is it a memory? of something that happened a few hours ago. That, and so it's not saying, you know, just putting it in that sanya kanda, it's like this, memories like this. <clears throat> and then we make it into maybe, <clears throat> you shouldn't have felt what you were feeling, you shouldn't have cried, you shouldn't have, you should have, you know, you shouldn't uh, have indulged in any kind of emotion, because we are, we've got ideals too, you know. You know, if we're crying or emotional, then, uh, you know, that's a lack of mindfulness and we're, we're, uh, you know, we shouldn't do that. I've heard people talk like that, like they apologize for crying, but that's not it. It's not about should or shouldn't. It's like this. Because your ideal may be really being mindful, you know. You were really mindful. You wouldn't shed a tear ever again. So, you know, in, when I was at Chitterskatina, I mentioned, you know, that I, it's got quite strong emotion. I did feel this sense of being choked. I didn't shed a tear though. But the word went around that I was crying. So Bart Grzolski phoned me the other day and wanted to know if that was the first time I ever cried after my mother died. <laughs> Which was 20 years ago. I, and he's, he's supposed to be writing my biography. So, <laughs> what can you say? <laughs> What can you say with a question like that? And this is, you know, the, what is crying, you know, is it, you know, we, we think we shouldn't cry. But there is a lot to cry about, you know, life is, is about crying, you know, so it's nothing, you know, they're not trying to, you know, take a stand and not feel anything, not cry or, uh, but to be the observer of it too, not which isn't a cold kind of uh, uh, looking at something, cold surgery, but it's it's really observing, you know, which isn't isn't about kind of looking down on it as if it was uh, some weak spot, some fault that you've got to you know get rid of. But it's like this. This is a realm of feeling. It's an emotional realm. It's all about happiness and suffering and, and success and failure, praise and blame. Heat and cold, pleasure, pain, hunger, <clears throat> old age, birth, old age, sickness, death. 
and and it's, and so then we we can say, well, did something was the was the universe created out of ignorance? So then we get into trying to to ask the impossible questions, you know, who created the universe? Did God have a heedless moment and suddenly created the universe? <laughs> well, you know, one can get into absurd speculations, but but that's, we don't need to know on that level. This is this is the humbling aspect of our practice: is we don't know very much. We can't. We're we're too limited a form. We're not as clever as we think we are. <clears throat> and and uh, humility is a, a great is a great gift uh, of the human life, rather than conceit and arrogance. <clears throat> So as you get older, then you, you know, and you investigate them, you, you're more humble because you, you see that some of the silliness of your life, when you were younger, when I was younger, I, was much, I knew everything. I had very strong views, you know, about how things should or shouldn't be. I was very much aware of all the things my parents should have done that they didn't do, that traumatized my life terribly. <laughs> and some of the teachers and military experience and, and uh, unhappy romances and things like this is just, uh, you know, tragic. Nothing, nothing all that bad's ever happened to me, but I could make a big case for my suffering and my anguish in life on a personal level. Because this is a realm of suffering. And it's not about being, you know, seeing it in, in, in and holding on to that, that this is all just misery. But this word dukkha means that, that just the natural movement, the change, the meetings and partings, the birth and death, <clears throat> the changing conditions, it's now getting colder, winter time, and on and on like this, it's like, and then we, you know, we're going to suffer from the winter if we don't, if we decide we don't want it to be winter. We want it to be warm and sunny, and then we're going to suffer when it's not. But when we stop, stop trying to follow our, you know, hold ideas about what we'd like, and then then feeling uh, unhappy because the realities of this moment aren't what we really want, and we stop doing that, then we, you know, we just learn from everything that happens to us. Learn from heat and cold, pleasure, pain, hunger, loss, separation, romances, broken hearts, the whole lot is learning you know, it's Dhamma for us. So it's, uh, you know, the world is like this. It's not what I want. I, I can think of a better world, how I would like the world to be. But no matter how brilliant my creations can be, I, the, the, you know, I realize it's never going to happen. It's just like this. <clears throat> and so, you know, conditions change and then you, you're, you're, you're all, the Buddha is, is encouraging us to do is be aware of change. Very simple. You know, so that awareness of change, rather than trying to make things change according to what I particularly want, but being aware of change as it is, as it actually is happening in the present, here and now. Because then we can't, we learn from that, but, but we can't ever get anywhere by wanting to change everything so that it's what we want it to be.
Because even if we think we can do that, you know, it's still, the problem is never be, will never be resolved because you've missed the point. Even when you get what you want, it changes. You can't keep it. It's not going to, you can't uh, petrify it and make it permanent. Now in the, the uh, unborn, uncreated, unformed. So, so <clears throat> I recommend consciousness, vijnana, citta, as, as that. It, you know, in terms of uh, here and now, sitting here on this high seat, consciousness, is uh, is recognize pure consciousness, and all I'm doing is just stop thinking and observing. And so, like sound of silence, when I refer to this, this kind of vibration or whatever it is, there's consciousness. I don't go unconscious when I tune into the sound of silence. I don't. I'm very alert. I'm. I'm hearing. There's a here and now sense. And it. And it's like a stream, isn't it? It kind of. It, it has a. You know, it, is it a sound or a vibration? I don't know. But it. It is like this. It's a background. It has no boundary. No form. But when I tune into it, when there's awareness of it, then I get perspective because the, the thinking mind will stop. You start trying to think about it. And there's this, just this awareness for investigation. It has no, you know, it's not a thing, not something, but it is realizable, recognizable. So in my way of practice, then that functions as the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned. Now if you want to get into an argument whether it really is, I'd, I'm not going to do it because, you know, then we get back into the realm of what you think and what you interpret the scriptures as saying and, and all the rest. And it get, you know, you get nowhere except probably angry and fed up with each other. So this is where you know the, I'm not trying to make claims or or present anything you know new kind of practice, but just sharing what I've learned from from my own experiments that it works quite well in this in this uh, in, as the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unconditioned, and then because it. It's self-sustaining. It's not a creation. I don't create it. It's not dependent on conditions. It's just recognizing it. And then, then, then there is this, this kind of stillness. This, the, the thinking mind shuts up. And then the emotional, you know, the emotional energy that I might be experiencing is observed as an object. I'm not fighting it or following it or resisting it or criticizing it, or whatever, but it's certainly awareness of, say, emotional resonance or, or uh, physical feelings. So in this, this then vinyana, and rupa, you know, this is this is what it is to be a human being. It's, we've got a human form, a rupa that's human form that's conscious. This is non-self. It's not sakyaditi tilabhatabharamasa. That's the first three fetters. It's not that. But then we can make it, you know, tilab. Sakyaditi Brahmasa by say by Sanya this is my body and my feelings and what I think and my emotions 
and this is right and this is wrong, good, bad, should be like this, shouldn't be like this. So this, uh, you know, then then you have this, you know, this awareness of your own personal conditioning, personality view, your cultural, social identities, hab habits, emotional tendencies, and the thinking process. <clears throat> You're aware of thought rather than being the thinker. You know, so the, you're not the thinker, but the there's thinking. Thinking is like this. And I did a lot of examination of thinking because I was, uh, as I've said many times, an, uh, an obsessed thinker. And and so this used to drive me when you're living alone in a kuti for very long, and all you know how to do is think it takes you to hell, like the Rodin statue, the thinker, the gate, uh, the entrance to the gate of hell, like this. <laughs> Utter misery, because, you know, you can, just uh, being alone with yourself without any distraction in a little hut, with nothing to do but think, it is hell. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so I, you know, how could I stop thinking? I got the point, you know. If I could stop thinking, so I used to try, you know, stop thinking. But I, that didn't work. And, uh, you know, I tried to, you know, fall asleep. Maybe I just sleep a lot. And, uh, you know, trying to, not knowing, thinking about thinking, thinking about not thinking, wanting to not think, being averse to my thoughts. So then in the, the Four Noble Truths, you know, the, the Second Noble Truths, you know, the desire to get rid of thinking. I could see that this was very strong. I, this Vipavadanha, the desire to get rid of my thinking. And so in, in these kind of teachings then help us to kind of observe in ways that, you know, in culturally, you know, through, that we wouldn't personally come across really or be able to, to have, you know, such a, a skillful way of, uh, a skillful teaching that we could make up on our own. Or our own cultural Conditioning influences everything, you know, what we're brought up to believe in and, and, uh, attached to is right and wrong, good and bad. So then, then to bring it to the here and now, Pachubanatama, sound of silence, Lung Po's leaving the day after tomorrow. Then what is that, you know? Then it has, that has a, you know, that has, that's a perception, and no doubt that will happen. But, but we're not really interested in it, uh, you know, in the, in the kind of, you know, attaching to it blindly, but observing just that as a perception as we're sitting here, here and now in this temple, the body, the breath, sound of silence, the perception, Lung Po Sumedho's leaving Tuesday forever. And that way, just the, you know, the intentional thinking of it gives you a way of observing how that also has maybe some, will bring up an emotion, a feeling. I remember when uh, some Spanish friends told me when Franco died 
Which was when? In what year was it? <laughs> the 70s? Or? Yeah. That um, most of the Spanish were happy. You know, so Frank was dead, we'll be. <laughs> because, uh, you know, that is, one wasn't sad at the separation, was glad that, you know, that that he he was dead. But then, like, when Lung Po Cha died, I didn't feel happy. I knew he was, you know, it was obvious he was, you know, I went to see him in the hospital in Uborn at the time, and he was in intensive care. He'd been ill for many years. I knew he was going to was going to die soon, so there was this the the Sanya Sankara the Lung Pacha was going to die soon, but he was still alive even though he was not conscious. And then I remember I had to give a retreat at Wat Kri, and Ajahn Nyanaratso was on the retreat, <laughs> and uh, and. Uh, so I went off to Wat Kuren, which is on the Lao border, and during the middle of that time, uh, somebody came and said, Ajahn, they've sent Lung Po Cha, he's, you know, he's at the hospital and he's dying, or dead, or something like this. So I rushed, I stopped giving the retreat, got, you know, got somebody to drive me into the Ubon hospital, and then they said, no, no, he's, he's, uh, we sent him back to his monastery to die in, in Wat Bapong. So then we rushed to Wat Bapong, and he, and I guess he, he had died during the, the journey from the hospital to the monastery. Now when I actually heard Lung Po Cha die, is dead, I felt grief, I did cry. That was before my mother died. <laughs> it was after, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, should, I have to tell Bart that. <laughs> now, this is, now the, where did that, you know, intellectually you're all prepared for, you know, you, you know that, that he's going to die. You know, on one level, it's, the information's in your brain. There's no hope of him, you know, coming back and being healthy again. But then, even before I saw his his body, his dead body, I felt grief because that association, Lung Po Cha is dead, is like this. Now that was mindfulness still. It wasn't that I lost it. And then the, on the Lung Po shrine, there's a picture of me looking at Lung Po Cha's corpse. And uh, well, that's when I went, we went to uh, Wat Ba Pong and uh, Puri So and I, and, we, and I saw uh, his uh, dead body. So emotion is not, you know, we're not trying to get rid of or bypass or suppress anything, but be the awareness of the emotion, which doesn't mean it's a kind of cold, critical look at something, you know, this weak emotion. Don't grab it, just let it cease. It's not that. It's, uh, you know, a full embracing of emotion without grasping. It's not out of ignorance anymore, <clears throat> and, and, but it's, it's, it's a awareness with, uh, that allows consciousness to be informed with wisdom.
So this is a, a feeling realm. Again, I emphasize, we're not just cold, rational <clears throat> super brains, you know, that just can see things every from 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 the rational mind. The ration, remember the thinking mind, the rational mind is not a feeling function. It doesn't feel anything. You know, thinking rationally is not about feeling. It doesn't have any feeling. It's a critical function. You know, it's for criticizing, comparing. This is bigger, smaller, better, worse, and so forth. So when we're, when, you know, as we all know, people attach to the thinking process to being very rational, the intellectual about everything, they have to suppress their feelings a lot because it's very, uh, you know, feeling it does seem weak when you've got these kind of high-minded, rational perceptions of life, uh, you know, crying, weeping, weakness, uh, all these things, uh, all the emotional things are slightly embarrassing if you're, you know, if you're really conceited and, and want to be seen as somebody very, you know, together, cool, rational, not one of these emotional wrecks. And that's a conceit, isn't it? You know, I want, I don't want to be considered an emotional wreck. Or then we can, you know, thinking that being emotional is the answer to all our problems. Just feel everything and heartfelt and just give yourself to life and just feel everything is another uh, delusion. It's not about feeling everything, you know, I should be feeling everything, but being aware of feeling. And so this awareness is the is the gate the door to this the the escape hatch from the birth and death? So, what this is actually saying is deathless amravati, the deathless realm, amatadhamma, the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. These words, you can't con you know they're they're words, but. They have, you can't imagine them. You can't imagine unborn or deathlessness. Amatadhamma. It's a beyond imagination. Then you can imagine any other thing, you know, like a, you know, a fantasy. It can be a, a you know, a fact or a fantasy or whatever. A thing you can imagine, but no thing you can't imagine. But you can recognize, because like this, this escape hatch, this gate, this door, mindfulness, then you can, you recognize, you know, it's, it puts you in this, in this embracing, Awareness, all-embracing awareness from the limitation of your, you know, physical form, which is a, a real limitation, but it, it's not, 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 not to be despised because this is, you know, we learn, we have to learn from the way we are, from this form, from the karma, the, the way, the, the, you know, the, the habits that one has, the personality, the emotional habits, the cultural identities, and all the rest. It's not about getting all the right conditions together and then doing something with that, but it's, it's observing conditions. And learning to, to trust that, you know, it's a, this sense of sata or trust in Dhamma. You know, like, it's uh, sometimes like faith or trust. But it's not faith in the sense of believing in something 
you know, that somebody tells you you should believe in this. But it's sada in this sense, in the, in this Pali word sata means a trust through not blind kind of stupid belief, but a kind of through observing, through knowing. And, and the thing that we don't trust, because we've got very strong personalities, is we, we are, and critical. In this society uh, here, it's, it's, we tend to be very self-critical. So we, you know, we see ourselves always through the critical mind, which is, you know, the thinking mind about how good or bad, right or wrong, attained or unattained or whatever we we think we are. Uh, uh, you know what we look like or what the perceptions that we're attached to. You can't trust any of that, but trusting this, this awareness, and, and that trust, and but first you have to recognize it. You're not asking to trust awareness as some kind of abstract thought. You should be trusting your awareness, and then you, you grasp this. You know, that's not, you know, that's, that's the problem. You know, you never resolve the problem through grasping what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is pointing at, you know, encouragement for you to, to get, to, to awaken to life, to be the observer, to see. And, and then you've got these excellent teachings, these, uh, Dhamma teachings of the Buddha. They're really brilliant, you know, but you, they're not for grasping, they're for a practice. They're not for leaving in everything the Buddha said, and all that, because that, that would be, you know, blind belief in words that you read in a book or a teacher t- uh, tells you to. <clears throat> but there's always this bhati-bhata aspect to, you know, this is emphasized, Lung Pancha emphasized bhati-bhata all the time. Because it's through this kind of practice that you, you, uh, have faith in, in the unborn. Because you know it. It's recognizable. It's knowable. You know it and you trust it. And then your personality and, and your conditioning process is then you know, then it's seen in terms of anicca dukkhanata rather than in, you know, identifying with my kilesas, my asavas, my problems. Always creating yourself as in terms of the critical mind, you know, and, I, and owning to, to any feelings, my emotional problems, my weaknesses, my faults, and so forth. <clears throat> that is sanya sankara that we that we you know we have a conventional way of talking but we tend to op- believe in the convention not in ultimate reality so if you you know you're suffering from blind belief or if you look down on people that believe in god or things like this well most people believe in their own stupidity So, so we have no reason to feel, you know, we're, you know, we don't believe in God or anything like that. But we believe in my feelings as mine, my body is me, and what I, my view is my view, and my view is right, and if you don't agree, then you're wrong. Believe in that. That's, that's blind belief. Coming out of ignorance and an attachment. So, like the, this reflectiveness is uh, is um, you know to, to just this encouragement to to uh, strive on with diligence. I mean, really, you know, whatever's happening, you know, my departure or your own personal feelings or 
relationships or problems of the monastery or uh, problems of your families and it all is for you know part of our path we learn from it you're never going to find a perfect monastery I guarantee it <laughs> and when you think it's perfect well then you know it will change anyway <laughs> so so don't go around looking for you know perfection in the imperfect that's ignorance and that's a vita <clears throat> so it's a kind of waste of time isn't it to keep you know the grass is greener on the other side of the fence uh, thinking that there's something better something I need but uh, like the samana life like in, in the Upasampada today emphasizing this you know this rag robes and just the four requisites <clears throat> you know we're not asking for much you know we we're, we're not you know and if we do if we're greedy we want nice robes and good food you know we can be aware of that as a condition of the mind So the, the Samana life is not for grasping, you know, we're not trying to make ourselves into perfect Samanas, but it is, is a structure to reflect from. And so, uh, I'm no longer living to worldly aims and values. The ten Dhammas to be reflected upon, you know, these are very helpful in reminding us so that we, we actually, you know, can reflect on our own tendencies to want to impress the world, wanting to help uh, solve all the problems of the society, of our families, of the Sangha, of our friends and so forth, wanting to, to be, you know, we, this, aware of these wanting and not wanting. So the, this uh, Gamadana, Bhavadana, Vipavadana, And then, the, then we, then the, you know, the joy of this life is that you always, you know, you do get, you know, you because we we are samanas and we we you know our needs are basic, rags for a robe, alms food, root of a tree for a shelter, fermented urine for medicine. We always get better than that. So this is, you know, then this brings gratitude because, you know, the it, the uh, the uh, generosity that I've experienced here in England is overwhelming. Now this is not a Buddhist country. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's I have nothing to complain about in terms of the four requisites uh, living in in England. Never been a problem. So then, because of that, then I have a lot of gratitude. I love this country. You know, I feel grateful because I've, I've been well provided for, respected, uh, tolerant, you know, people are tolerant and uh, they don't persecute us. So then we feel, we feel this gratitude, which is, the sum of our life, you know, gratitude rather than, well, we should be, you know, treated equally to the Christians, <laughs> all this kind of thing. <clears throat> well, may, maybe, you know, the people like the Tibetan Buddhists better than the Theravada. And then we can feel offended. We can make problems about anything if you want. But as a samana, you know, you you just you think shelter for the night and food in the alms bowl, robes and medicine. 
So this, this is, uh, you know, this is uh, these reflect samanasanya practices. Just keep reflecting on them. They're not trying to, to you know, intimidate you that you shouldn't, you know, if you greedy for something better that you shouldn't feel like it. It's encouraging you to look at that. Wanting something you don't have or not wanting things to be the way they are is like this. So I'll offer this as a reflection for this evening. Um,